That's right. Tough as Nails uh, recap is back after episode number seven of uh, Tough as Nails uh, season two. And aren't you glad you clicked on this podcast because we're going to have a lot of fun today breaking down all things uh, landscaping, orange picking, water carrying here today uh, with our panel uh, back with us, of course, uh, that she I'm sure will have uh, plenty of great uh, insight about uh, putting together a lawn more so than Mike or I. Uh, here's Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? Well, Rob, you're the only person on this panel that has a yard. So yeah, but I don't have grass. <laughs> All right, that's true. Mm-hmm. You California people, I don't know. I don't know what you do on your lawns. Fake grass. Yeah. yeah. Astroturf. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, give it up for Mike Bloom. Hello. Here to have a sodding good time talking tough as nails. <laughs> Full of more energy than a Ford F-150 generator. Yes. Okay. Um, it was a night where uh, we saw... The, I was shocked that Merrill went out of the individual competition. Didn't see that one coming. Do you think... Is it, is it karma for her road rage that was shown at the beginning of the episode? That eventually the, the, you know, the powers that be took it out on her? Like, look, if you can't be calm on the road, you're going to be calm sitting on the sidelines of this competition. <laughs> Yeah, boy, uh, I didn't see that as like uh, some sort of like a uh, karmic episode that played out for uh, Meryl after uh, she couldn't uh, she couldn't get along with the other drivers. You have to be nice to everyone, Rob. You can't be mean in a forum where nobody else can hear it and respond. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but no, I was really surprised because Meryl, I feel like, has gotten, you know, a lot of airtime. And I feel like that uh, Arida, she uh, I think she's been sort of like one of the lesser featured characters mm. on the season. And then, of course, uh, we got the story about her leg, which was horrible uh, to hear about, but also amazing in that she went from uh, potentially having her leg amputated, having all these surgeries to Having winning a physical competition, which was basically like a marathon to beat out Merrill, who it's been, you know, uh, a very well documented story about like how she's a fitness instructor also. And that was uh, like a, a real uh, shocker to me. Yeah, the Arida story is wild and there are even more wild parts that she didn't even tell i remember when i talked with phil about the contestants preseason he told me that as an extra bonus in that story uh obviously you know arida ends up breaking her shin when a train runs over her leg but what they don't say on the show is that in order to sort of like reset things in a way that did not leave her leg past the point of no return arida had to have the train run back over her oh leg. no oh my god yeah. So essentially, she like was able to to get herself in gear to not only get through this terrible incident, but have it happen one more time just to set things in a more, you know, amicable state to hopefully get things ship shape once all these surgeries and hospital mm-hmm. trips go through. Yeah. Did we nickname the wrong contestant freight train here? I was going to say, well, then how about this? Like the universe, uh, really, this is like uh, something you would cover on Lost, that she goes through all this only to be paired up with a man named Freight Train. Exactly. Like this is uh, her worst nightmare in front of her. I mean, listen, Becky Burgess from Big Brother walks so Rida could run in this room. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is amazing. I-, I just can't believe that this is uh, seven. We didn't hear this uh, before on the series, right? No. Personal story and I was- bump. Yeah, I was really shocked. 
I, I as soon as they showed this story, I was like, well, they must be saving it for the week she gets eliminated because it's the PSV. And then she ends up like they faked us out. They did this yeah. on purpose. They gave us this story at this moment so we could watch her prevail. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it was beautiful. I think in that way, that was also beautiful storytelling. Yeah, I thought if you asked me before that final overtime between Merrill and Arida, I said, yeah, I think it's uh, that, you know, 100 percent Merrill is is moving on and yeah. that's going to be it for Arida. And uh, especially when Merrill is talking about like, uh, yeah, uh, do we run a, a little bit uh, in the military? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, no, we run a lot. Um, and I'm like, OK. She's yeah. got this. Th- this was seemed like an incredibly tough overtime challenge. This seemed like something out of the challenge where it's just well, like pure endurance, run back and forth as many times as you can. I think this was a twist on they just uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In season one, they had uh, one. Of the, and I think Young was in it. I don't remember who. I think it was. I think it was Tara who was the other one that was in it. Yeah. And was it, it water was or was it sand? Sand. It was yeah. sand. Yeah, so basically, like, yeah, it was basically like, uh, this is like, I guess Tough as Nails, like, has their own, like, uh, challenges that they bring back every season now. And this is one of them. I like, they need a, a branding for this. Mm. They, they need to call it, like, the Hourglass Challenge. Well, that's or what something. it was last season, but now right. it's with water. So I don't know if Hourglass works. And, you know, honestly, I'm not a big fan of this challenge. And I think I probably stated my case last season when this challenge came up. This does not correlate to any kind of profession being celebrated on tough as nails like there is literally no there's no line of blue collar work that you could go into where this is going to be your job mm-hmm. well, maybe 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 you work in irrigation and it's just very bad irrigation where there's a hole at the bottom and water keeps draining <laughs> so but I feel like that this is sort of like going back to, you know, when Phil talks about like, well, how tough are you? And he talks about, I forget what he, what he calls like the burpee test of mm-hmm. basically like when when you have nothing left in the tank, do you give up or do you keep going? And I feel like that this particular overtime is something that is sort of like uh, basically you're going to be just be gassed after, you know, a couple of trips and who's going to give up and who's going to keep going. You know what I really would have liked to see? I would have liked to see Angel do this task. Oh, it'll be there. This I mean, but the angel would have been spilling the water all oh, over yeah. the place. Like, uh, oh, the, I guess that's true. Angel oh, no, would have been, you know, he's not going to run out of gas. But the problem is, like, he can't control it. Yeah, I guess that is true, though. I don't know. I feel like angel would make the tank actually overflow with water. That's how much he <laughs> yes. would go back and forth with the buckets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. All right. So Merrill out of the individual competition, uh, we also got to see what was going on with freight train uh, being missing. And we had been wondering, how will this work out? Will they do five on four? Uh, we see it's sort of like a survivor, you know, pre-merge type of situation where sit somebody out. Now, Mike, do you suspect Okay, Sally sat out for Savage Crew? Will it be that you cannot sit out back to back competitions? Oh, are we doing another Abby Maria controversy of what counts as a cycle here? No, I don't think the rule is you can't sit out the same person in back-to-back challenges just because there's also a rule that like you can be crew boss back-to-back. We saw that with Swifty in this episode. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything mandated. I think they'll give Savage Crew, since they have the numbers advantage, the opportunity to look at the challenge, figure out who their weak link is going to be and sit them out rather than saying, okay, Selly must participate in this competition. What do you think, I Jess? Have a, I yeah. have a... I have a suggestion on how we can fix this. And you know what? If Survivor wants to pick this one up too, and I feel like this is what I always bring to the table is draw like, a rock. No, even better. Draw aggregate. Whoever, 
Wow, I got a handful of, yeah, I got a handful of gravel. I got a handful of aggregate. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stick your hand in aggregate? I don't really know. <laughs> I think whoever won the last team challenge or even whoever won the last individual challenge can choose who sits out of, of the challenge. Oh, that's interesting. So, you know, if you are on Savage Crew, you can choose on your own team. Or if you're on, or if you're on Dirty Hands, you get to choose who of Savage Crew sits out. Could we do the the overtime winner would be the one to pick? Maybe that's sort of like the advantage of winning overtime is you get the ability to sit out whoever from Savage Crew. Isn't the advantage of winning overtime not getting eliminated? I feel like that's its own reward. Hmm. An extra advantage as well. Maybe a little bit of icing on the cake. Yeah. I mean, we've always had we've had those like pair challenge situations where whoever won the last individual challenge gets to decide what the pairs are. And I feel like this is kind of an extension of that. So. We were uh, talking right before we came on about uh, that freight train ends up. We get a cameo from uh, freight train. Not a, like I don't think he's on cameo, but uh, we hear from freight train later on uh, after Dirty Hands wins, and we we're discussing that. Uh, do we think that uh, it's possible freight train will return to action this season? Uh, Mike, you felt like that uh, that we may see freight train back. Yeah, here here's the thing. I might be a big old dum dum about this but i just feel like the implication with a lot of the language that phil was putting out there right where he said free train isn't joining us today so savage crew sits someone out and the phone call that was made i mean in all reality i don't understand if free train is indeed out of the competition how he's still making money Right. Tara isn't making money for dirty hands despite the fact that she's not medically cleared to continue they in the didn't competition. love tara like that I, I guess so. I guess they could, they really are the arbiters of the money in that regard. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. The disadvantage is obviously with the filming schedule. I don't know if they have two weeks to spare to let freight train back in, but it just seemed like the way they were talking about it on the show, for some reason, it seemed to imply that at some point freight train is going to be returning to take part in the team competition. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Freight Train again, but I th- I just don't know, like, in the production schedule. Like, uh, I'm assuming, like, based on the way they talk about, like, the wear and tear, that um, if, like, I, I don't think there's many off days in the production cycle. It's it, I, I don't think it sounds like, uh, like, even on Survivor, you know, it's sort of like a three-day episode cycle. Like, uh, I get the sense they do their activity, activity uh, in one episode, and then it's on to the next day. Yeah, there's not more than two days per episode covered. I think Phil told us that, you know, they have one day for the team challenge and then the next day is the overtime and the individual. Mm -hmm. So I have to imagine that there are not more. There's not more than a week left of filming. Yeah. So I think you're right. We will see Freight Train, but I think it'll be he'll be at the final challenge to cheer people on. Mm -hmm. Why does he get money? <laughs> he was inspired them i mean mike they gave all of the money to angel one week that's uh, not true that's been proven <laughs> that they definitely did not divvy it up and give it all to angel they're that's not what they're allowed to do oh i mean so, they're allowed to do whatever they want yeah. mike. no no get let's let's no, get this fan fiction out of here that's not oh, well we're this not would be a great it. question for phil this you feel like the dirty hands did not give all of the the prize money to angel that one week no, they gave it all to him to be like, uh, it, that would be like, OK, uh, congratulations, Rob. You here. Take the immunity idol for your tribe. Oh, I guess you're the only one who's immune now because you're holding on to the immunity idol for your tribe like that. That power does not transfer to one person. This is not bank accounts being determined by well, the teams. They split the money I, equally. 
I don't know, Mike, we we did discuss this. It's weird that we didn't ask Phil about this last week, because I feel like it was the most mm-hmm. fruitful discussion we've had about this show, maybe ever. But I know there are rules that prevent you from colluding with other people and giving them the money if you if you all win the whole, the whole competition. But why couldn't you say like, this is your, this is your $2,000 or your $2,400 to do whatever you want with. Why wouldn't you give it to Angel? I mean, why would why then be like, well, I'm going to give money to Merrill. She lost the team. She lost the team yeah. competition. Yeah, well, the Savage Crew much. wants to do that. Uh, they, no, they what if do I was that? on dirty hands and I said, all right, you know what, Phil? You're getting the money. You're a fantastic well, host. I'm giving the, this money the right back to you. Know, here's decides. a tip. <laughs> 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 to get, to Go buy yourself tip, something nice, your host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be sure. Uh, I don't know if that goes back to the restaurant analogy of uh, <laughs> Phil at the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but So what do you think? They just let him hold the money? Yes. That's mean. <laughs> That's, That's mean. so mean. Well, he's still getting money. He's not getting zero dollars. He's still getting the stack of cash. But it's also they're not going through and saying one for you, one for you. This is not allowance. Okay. How about this then, Mike? Do you feel did they have to give money to Freight Train? I don't know, because that's the thing is like, is he's in this nebulous part where he's technically still in the competition that they had to give him money? Otherwise, why? Why would they do that? Well, why would they let Angel hold the wad of money and very conspicuously say, this challenge was for you, Angel. Now hold the wad of money that you will then have to take part of and give the rest back. Because then they're like, oh, you're out of the competition. You're our only eliminated team member at this point. So we're doing it for you. Just like they said this episode, we're doing it for Freight Train. It's Mm -hmm. symbolic, not literal. They're not saying Phil hand it to him then. Don't like pass the money to him. I don't know. I, I think that that was purely symbolic in this regard. And that's why I'm so confused about this, because, again, for all intents and purposes, if Freight Train is indeed out of the competition, his bank account should stop right here. He doesn't he, he shouldn't necessarily be making money mm-hmm. for the fact that he's not even on the show anymore, yet he's still earning money they for things him. that his team is doing. That's great. Then clearly they didn't love Tara. So I'm sorry for Tara. Your team doesn't <laughs> well, love you. Well, in fairness, that uh, Tara, I think, was eliminated at the end of like the first day of the team competition. Like uh, they didn't get a chance to know her. <laughs> are, are they are they giving Mikey eyebrows a cut? <laughs> I, that, I, I, don't, I suspect not. Um, but I mean, this has been like they've been through. This is the seventh, uh, you know, task or the, I guess the sixth task in the seventh episode that they've been through. Like, uh, I think they've they've bonded. I mean, we, we do great, see that. Tough as nails debate. Yeah, I, I like that. And again, this is one of those things like, Rob, you and I talked about this when we were covering the stand for post-show recaps. Yeah. It's so fun to talk about things and disagree about them and not have it feel like we want to kill a person. Mm-hmm. This is great. I love yeah. this. I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Um, because Dirty Hands, they still have uh, three members that are still alive in the uh, individual competition, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they still have uh, Knuckles and Zeus and Arida. Uh, so it feels like that maybe they're just trying to take care of the people that are out of the uh, individual competition. But are they taking care of them literally or are they just making them feel like they're still part of the team? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's the that's the question is that's the crux is, you know, is the fact that is it is it also just like this specific circumstance due to freight train being eliminated? You know, he's he he's not medically cleared to continue because of the covid bubble. But I guess unlike Tara, he like hasn't been sent home. That's the other thing as well. 
Where are they calling for a train from? Has he already gone back home? Is he just hanging out in L.A. for the time being, waiting until that finale happens? There are so many mysteries out there. But I will say, if I end up being completely wrong, which is a, a very good chance that I'm probably wrong, and Freight Train has been eliminated, and they decided to, in the spirit of the competition, continue to give him money for a competition he is no longer a part of, that's fantastic, but that is wild from a reality <laughs> show perspective. <laughs> Yeah, just because we don't see on Survivor when a tribe wins reward, they don't save like a sandwich for somebody who's voted out. Like uh, there is still possible, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they, but they're not allowed anymore. Like if two people go on a reward, they can't bring back food anymore. Yeah. I mean, it is also like it brings up a question of like the these people, like, did they take all this time off from work? And then are they, you know, are they sort of like missing out on their actual like uh, time to work? So like, OK, well, we have to like uh, take care of try to take care of some of these people on our team who are missing out on the bigger prize now. Did yeah. anybody actually quit their job for this is a good question, I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, that is a good question. I, I do wonder, even between the season one and the season two contestants, because I would say the types of jobs that they are very fortunately putting on the spotlight are not the ones where you could say, like, hey, I'm going to take two weeks vacation to go film this. So I, I do wonder uh, how many people had to take, like, uh, maybe a leave of absence from their I mean work to participate in this. I mean, my job is way less tough than these jobs. Mm -hmm. And I know they wouldn't let me go take a month off to film a TV show. Mm hmm. All right, well, let's uh, see. Maybe we'll get some answers on this. Yeah, uh, I don't even think Rob would let me take a month off to fil film a TV show. Well, what show is it? I, I think it depends on the show, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could, does it feed back into itself if you're like, okay, I'm going to go on to Survivor? And it's like, well, then technically you are helping pay for Rob's coverage. So then it sort of mm -hmm. feeds back into itself. Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't be allowed to be on the show. I wouldn't be allowed to be on podcasts until after my season was over. Yeah, but we're playing the long game, Jess. Uh, that yeah. would, you know, you're going on a reality show. That's, I mean, but this is a very specific circumstance. The long I, game or the lawn game? Mm -hmm. Oh, the lawn game. Let's talk about the lawn game. We'll be right back on our Tough as Nails a recap and we'll be joined by Phil Kogan. But first, let me thank our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. And if you love reality TV like Tough as Nails, you are going to love Spectacle, the unscripted history of reality TV on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen from Neon Hum Media, the new podcast series Spectacle, an unscripted history of reality TV, covers your favorite reality TV shows. In each episode, Spectacle relives the most popular moments in TV history and how these shows change our culture. Shows like Survivor, The Bachelor, 90 Day Fiance, Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Queer Eye, hosted by writer, producer, and comedian Mariah Smith. Mariah dives into your cultural favorites with special guests each week like Queer Eye's Bobby Burke, The Circle's Chris Sapphire, The Real World's Norman Corpy, and 90 Day Bay's Nicole Byer, all who help dissect our sometimes problematic faves. Subscribe to Spectacle to get the unscripted history of reality TV on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it could be hard work, but you know it's easy bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And now let's get back to the podcast and talk to Phil. We're very excited to have uh, back with us, uh, back Back in the office after the neighbors were doing all of the work on their home last week, uh, the host uh, of Tough Snails, Phil Kogan. Phil, how are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Um, up front, I just want to tell you that I do have like a little eye thing going on. Um, I guess with these wins, uh, everybody, I know five people who have like dust in their eye and some kind of eye reaction. So okay, I can barely see you. I'm, I'm going to be Phil, very look, one-eyed. Phil, you don't opinion. have to be macho. We know that you're just very moved by the story of Arida and mm. it's been like a very uh, emotional 24 hours watching everything from the episode and seeing Meryl eliminated. It's okay. Yeah, it was No, it's totally fine. I've been bowling my eyes out all night long. Um, no, it's true. You know, I read something interesting. They said when, when I get together with the three of you, that there's this feeling that at any moment things could go terribly wrong and that we could just veer off the track and, and, uh, things could, you know, like crazy things could happen. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, or whether <laughs> we just like make people feel on edge and, uh, whether we should be worried about who are things going to go wrong for, for us or for you or for the listener? I, I'm not sure. And maybe that's why they tune in. Cause at any moment they, you know, we could just <laughs> get off the track and have mm. a terrible crash or something. It's, a, I don't it's know. a surprise of it all. All right. So Phil, we were actually, you come in at a very pertinent moment because we were Hot just debate. getting into mm. a very spirited debate about, uh, I think the confusing status of freight train because he right. is out of the competition right now, but at least from my perspective, the language that you were using seemed to indicate that maybe he'd returned a certain time. They, the Dirty Hands gave money to him, which I think certainly confused me. Is there anything you can clear up about like the status of Freight Train at this moment in Episode 7? Right. So as dramatic as it all looked with the ambulance coming and taking Freight Train away... A lot of that was precautionary, you know, like we didn't know in that moment what was going on. The reality was he was dehydrated. He was exhausted. And um, when he said, you know, he felt something pop, it was just that he was super uncomfortable in the harness. He went to the uh, to the hospital. They gave him some hydration. They checked him out. He's totally fine. And he would have turned up uh, for dinner that night at the hotel and turned up the next morning and just carried on as normal. But we didn't live in the normal world at the time. So he broke the bubble. He went and he had contact with people who weren't in our COVID bubble. So it suddenly changed the rules. Um, and so I think people are savvy enough to understand that, um, you know, we can talk about this because they understand what a COVID bubble is, right? Um, so, yes. Yeah, so the reality is he would have rolled right back out and been out there doing the landscaping challenge had it been normal circumstances. Now, we shoot the show in 20 days. So the question is, will his um, mandatory quarantine, re-quarantine period um, be enough to be able to get him back before we finish shooting the shows? We don't shoot the shows on a weekly basis. We jam them all together. And we're shooting one show every two days. So uh, all I've said is, Watch this space. Like mm-hmm. maybe he might make a return after he's done his mandatory uh, secondary quarantining. Yeah. Yes. Right. So everybody who came into contact with him was using precautions to avoid contracting COVID, all the health people and so on that he came into contact with in the hospital and so on. So all the number one priority was not about keeping making sure that freight train was um, healthy from what happened to him when he came down the wall, it was keeping freight train and the rest of us healthy from COVID. 
that's really what happened. And so knowing that the, the crew, dirty hands were like, you know, freight train would have been here. He would have been part of this. He would have, he's still part of our team. We, we miss him. We want him back. And so it had nothing to do with us saying, oh, well, you know, you should probably share the money and the spoils with freight train. That had nothing to do with us. That was their decision. Hmm. I asked them, oh, so you're thinking about someone? Yes, we're go- and you're going to share with the, the winnings with Freight Train. And they're like, absolutely, he's still a part of the team. And, and part of putting the phone call in to the show was just to let the audience know, look, the Freight Train is totally fine. Like he, yeah. he, was, he was chomping it out. He was like, come on, guys. You know, like, what? I just went to the hospital. They were all practicing. You know, they were all being careful and everything. Can I come back? He wanted to be there. He couldn't be there because... We had to follow COVID protocols. That's that's it. Yeah. Nothing more complicated than that. So, Phil, this ended up uh, turning into then uh, discussing the earlier moment in the season when Dirty Hands uh, said, "Hey, Angel, you're eliminated from the competition. You need this money." And we were debating as to whether or not Angel got to keep the entire uh, share of the Dirty Hands money in that in that one round, or if they just let him hold the money and it was more of like a figurative, hey, we did this for Angel today. Or even hypothetically, would he be allowed to? We wouldn't stop anybody from doing whatever they want with their money. Uh, you know, um, I, I think some shows have certain rules about if you win money, you can't give the money away. Right. Um, I don't know what the end result was. I mean, ultimately, it was more, in my opinion, and I don't know this 100%, in my opinion, it was that they let him hold the money and it was more of a symbolic thing that they were going to win for Angel. Now, once they got home, did they collectively decide, because they will talk to each other every single day, that they were going to share their, you know, their winnings with him after the fact and send him the money? I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, it's not really, in, in my opinion, it's not really, you know, what they do with their winnings and what they, whether they give it to an uncle or an aunt or a nephew or put it into a college fund or give it to Angel or whatever they want to do with their money that they mm-hmm. have won their business. I, 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 um, I think more than, more than the money, what was important to them was winning for Angel and him being a part of that winning Team. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a symbolic thing to me than the literal, like, well, how many dollars did Angel get in his hands? Yes. All right. Well, uh, Mike was uh, the winner of that debate then. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, um, oh, and I need to clear a couple things up. So okay. one woman, oh, please do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one woman <laughs> said, Do you know you broke labor laws by getting. Uh, both teams to paint the wall of the man who's particular, who's very wealthy and particular (laughs) and who likes gray paint. Now I've said many times things in jest and sometimes I need to explain myself that sometimes when I throw up a hypothetical about this man, who's very particular and who likes gray paint and who's also very wealthy, that I might be taking a little license sometimes with the scenario of what's going on. It's not a literal like this particular man who's very wealthy, who likes gray paint, called in a reality show to paint his wall. And then we didn't pay dirty hands. Some scabs. They paid, and now we've broken <laughs> some labor law. This is what we call a reality competition show. We're not going around 
putting people's landscaping, you know, work into effect and doing it without paying our people. Everybody on Tough as Nails goes home with money in their pocket, but they are ultimately competing on this thing called a television reality competition show. And I just <laughs> would like to say to this woman who I understand is very concerned that we would never be breaking labor laws. We would not do that. And I promise not to. Uh, <laughs> I promise not to just have them going out doing like people's jobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you don't have to. You're among friends, Phil. We we understand when people don't understand we're being facetious. It's something we've all gone through. Yes. And I, 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 I it's part of maybe my New Zealand personality, too. I was just trying to be funny. And maybe it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so to be um, clear, there was not a two new families that lived next door to each other in this episode that had a completely undone front yard mm-hmm. that the players had to landscape. You didn't well, put well, a local that- landscaper out of business. Well, actually, uh, in that particular case, there were two families that were going to buy those homes and we got permission from those two families to be able to come in and landscape their front properties. And, and um, but it, again, it's not like we're it, it, we asked them permission to be able to do something on their property. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's different scenarios. We didn't really need to bring the hay bales in from the on the farm and put them in the barn. That was part of a what we call a competition reality show. Anyway, um, just yeah, but in my say. head, they, but in my head, the housing development that you guys were working at is on the same site where you, you went to the place that was being torn down last season. It's continuity. Exactly. And the scenario of me going to the end of the cul-de-sac and, and, and the street sign is sort of bent over. I mean, look, um, we're trying to be as authentic as we possibly can with the scenarios. We don't want to take work away from people and we're not looking to use our uh, competitors to do jobs for people for nothing. It's this thing we call a competition reality show. Mm-hmm. Phil, can yeah. you talk about, as you talked about, you know, we asked you what would happen if the teams were running uneven due to extenuating circumstances. And you said, you know, that's something that we would have had to deal with in the moment, how quickly did the idea spring up of, okay, Savage Crew has to sit one person out? Did that just pop up once you found out that Freight Train wouldn't be returning at least immediately to the competition? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think you saw the way Swifty reacted when, when Tara walked away. He was like, hold on a second. You need to take five? I'll take five. Like, I don't think that Savage Crew would have felt that that was in any way, shape, or form fair. I think they probably would have said to us, listen, we could sit somebody out. Let's make this at least fair. There's a a different kind of camaraderie on this show called Tough as Nails, I think. And um, there was no argument when we suggested it. And it was a discussion that I had with them. And I said, hey, listen, you know the situation with Fred Train. He'd be here if he could. He'd be helping his team. Right now he's in a hotel sitting out quarantine, um, totally capable of competing, but he can't because of the rules. Um, so what we think is fair is to balance the teams and they were totally fine with that. So, um, I think it just speaks to the character of the people that we had. I mean, look at how gracious, um, Meryl was with Arida. Yeah. And encouraging and, 
she literally worked herself, both of them worked themselves so they fell to their knees. And I mean, the spirit of that competition to me is such a great lesson for how we should all compete. And you could tell that Meryl had nothing left. She said she was going to run herself until she just couldn't go anymore. So did a rider. And there was this incredible respect between the two of them. And that's what we want to show. You know, there was no sore loser or anything remotely like that. It was like she and Meryl made a point of saying, well done, like, good job. You, you know, you did really well. Like, and um, we know that journey that Arida has been on has been an extraordinary one. She's just grown in confidence. And this is a woman who almost like a doctors were going to take her leg off. And there she is running alongside someone like Meryl, who we know is a badass. And she, she knew she was going to be in somewhat, you know, in discomfort, but nothing stopped. I just loved to see that power between the two of them. So, so powerful. Oh, a um, couple of notes uh, from my team. Uh, yes. From, yes. You know, uh, Swifty's name is Swifty. Okay. Oh, interesting. Swifty's name is Swifty. Wow. Um, so, um, and then they're interested to know who you think the, the, the biggest underdog is left at this point in uh, Tough as Nails. Ooh. The biggest hmm. underdog. That's an biggest interesting Biggest underdog question. at this point. Hmm. Ah. Uh, that's a tough I, question because, like, I I would want to say Knuckles, but, like, does Knuckles qualify as an underdog, right? Because Knuckles, of the people left, has seen over time the most amount of time. She's been in it twice, technically mm-hmm. speaking, yet she also finishes in the top. She just finished in the top very recently. So, I mean, when you look at her track record, she would technically be an underdog. But I feel like if you look at the overall scope of things, I don't know if we count her as one. That, that's where the, the confusion comes from, from my perspective. Right. And then are we also including people that have been eliminated from the individual competition? Because I feel like that Sally has been an underdog all season, but I feel like that she's already out of the running for the individual competition. Yeah, she was definitely, I think, an underdog, but also proved that she could survive maybe mm-hmm. longer than some people thought in individual. Yeah, Any other underdogs? I'm Jess? guessing that I'm guessing that what they want to know is of the people left in the competition, like who's going to have the biggest surprise in the finale when they come out from behind and they're a real contender to win. Mm-hmm. And if I had to predict that, I mean, Knuckles is a good choice based on what Mike said, but also as Mike notes, she's come very close to winning a couple of com- competitions. So I'm going to go ahead and say it's Sarah yeah. because Sarah's had some really great character moments, but she, and she has not really been in it in a lot of the individual challenges, but she's also stepped up on the team challenges. And like this week she steps up and, and she starts crew bossing when she sees deficiencies mm-hmm. and she is really perceptive and able to see what's needed. And I think there's a skill set there that we're not fully seeing. And I, I think I would definitely term her an underdog. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's especially this particular episode. I feel like we were getting a lot of talk about Sarah uh, from mm-hmm. other people like Swifty calling her the anchor of Savage Crew. She feels like to me, one of those stealthily skilled people where she hasn't been in the top 
of any challenges, but she's never been in the bottom. She's very competent at everything that you've thrown at her. And I feel like when the name of the game is every day you might come back, you're going to be facing a different challenge. That is a very underrated skill set. So I agree. I I could very easily see her making at least the top four, if not squeaking into that top three. What about you, Rob? I'd say, you know, um, we talked about her already, but I think Irida is uh, definitely somebody who you consider to be uh, an underdog. And especially after knowing her story, after everything she's been through with her leg surgery also, uh, I think that that's a really big part of uh, the, her underdog story. Right. Okay. And then the last question was a favorite. It, it, um, I think I know who Jess's favorite is, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is it's a good question. I'm not sure. Do you, have, do, you have a, do you have a favorite off the top of your head? Uh, I mean, I think that uh, are, are we saying um, my favorite or the favorite uh, to win? Because I feel like uh, no, the good your, answer is Scott. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's your favorite. I see. Is okay. he your favorite, Rob? I mean, he's definitely up there as uh, uh, one, one of the top favorites. Yeah, I think that that Scott, it's interesting. It was, it was a little bit of a quieter week for Scott, but I feel like he has had his own growth arc as well. I think with with the team challenges and figuring out his role within the team, especially in, in being such a supervisor in his mm-hmm. real life. He, I appreciate him being able to realize when he needs to step back and when he needs to step forward. Up until this week, I would have said Meryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. love Meryl, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like she got a hell of a send off. I mean, I'm still so happy, Phil, that you and the team were able to bring her on. Who, in all essence, I would say the echo of the sentiments that were on the show that she is an American hero and just a pioneer of what she was able to do in her field as a black woman. I guess of the people who are left, I'm going to put in a little bit of a late push for. I guess if Knuckles and Scott are already taken, if I want to be unique, I'm going to go with Zeus. Coming on uh, strong, Zeus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Zeus has had a really interesting couple of weeks. He was not perceived very well last week, uh, despite being in the crew boss position. But I think he has a really interesting story. I think his personality has really begun to pop. And I think we've talked about him this entire week as sort of like the dark horse of the competition. And considering that this week he was all about like, I want Scott to see me as legitimately, you know, a threat to win. Mm -hmm. He succeeded in that goal. And so I, I do think that there is a world where much like Sarah, he's also pretty steadily competent at everything that gets thrown in their direction. So I, I he's really, he's won me over in the past few weeks. Jess, I, I guess my question to you is <laughs> sticking with knuckles, right? I mean, yeah. she's, she's your favorite. Yeah. I'm not changing horses midstream here. Yeah. I think knuckles would have the most amazing story if she gets all the way to the finals. I love her unpredictability. Um, I think she's got so much energy. Like we saw her this week pick like an entire extra box of fruit. Mm -hmm, Um, She definitely, she's got the stamina. She's obviously very intelligent. She's a problem solver. um, And she's just been a lot of fun to watch. She's a great character as well. So yeah, I, I would be very, very thrilled if she ended up winning the competition. You know, it's interesting. Not only did she pick an entire extra box, but if you looked at the weights of the oranges that, mm, she, that were in yeah, her I box, that. did you notice that? Like there were, I think one box was 28 pounds. So she had mm-hmm. three pounds of extra fruit that she could have put into another box like she could have taken her her heavy box or large oranges were actually overweight. She could have taken some of those and put those in the other box. I think what happens with Knuckles and she admits it 
is sometimes in the heat of competition, she gets flummoxed and she uh, it, it causes her to 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 um, not think as logically as she she does when she has time. So like in the bulldozer where it all got a little overwhelming for her. And I think in that moment, she was she suddenly got confused about the job. And like you said, she's very bright. So it has nothing to do with her intelligence. It's more to just do with the pressure of competing and then what that does to her thought processes in that moment, you know, with that pressure. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, the team will be very pleased to mm-hmm. have had you answer some of their questions. Anything for the team, Phil. Yes, of course. Do we know, did Dirty Hands save some oranges for a freight train? (laughs) That's a very good question. I don't know, but oh my goodness, that moment of Angel and the look on his face when he had his first orange off a tree. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I mean, that was such a powerful moment for me. You know, there's so many things that we all take for granted that some people have never experienced. And to see that is a good reminder of all of us taking what we have mm-hmm. for granted sometimes. And it certainly made me think, wow, like someone getting on a plane for the first time, you know, we get on planes like they're buses and someone um, going to a, a really nice restaurant or some of the things that we might think are just mundane being able to go to the gas station and fill up your tank and not worry about putting $20 in, but just filling the tank. Mm-hmm. Little things that you realize for some people, they don't just happen every day. So I liked, I liked that moment a lot. It was, um, it was powerful, I thought. Now, look, I don't want to pull, you know, uh, something in the vein of that listener question you mentioned before, but what happened to all those oranges that you picked? <laughs> Where, did, you, did you give them to somebody? Did you just dig into them? Did the entire crew subsist on oranges for the rest of the production cycle? So we were, um, we were at a farm. We were at, at a legitimate farm, and the oranges that you saw on display and on the back of my truck, those oranges had just been picked and we pulled them out just to dress the set. And then all the oranges that got picked literally went straight into um, the family uh, supply and just mm. got sold. So, yeah, no, nothing was – we were just generously told that we could take as many oranges as we want from what we picked. But all the surplus went literally straight into, the, in, into processing and were sold immediately. Phil, you had to have been nervous with some of these contestants with the ladders, uh, especially Swifty at one point. It really it looked like okay, we're going to lose Swifty today also. And uh, like uh, we can't have, we can't lose anybody else. Yeah, I mean, the the reality is that uh, where they were, the ladder, there were trees either side of the ladder and there were, there, there were trees around the ladder. So once they put the ladder into the trees, the even if the ladder fell back, it would fall back into another tree. And the ground was it's not like they were above concrete or anything mm-hmm. really, really hard. And you saw where Swifty fell and he fell in the dirt. So, yes, I mean, this look, there's always a, a, a risk of someone spraining something or whatever. But um, no, the reality, the reality is it would be uh, highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more just trying to manage putting the 
the ladder's in the right spot, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly after the season that we've had and then, you know, COVID getting in the way of poor freight train being able to come back, um, it was, you know, we want to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. But at least you would have had even numbers again. <laughs> Silver lining. We were actually talking about the overtime challenge before you came on. And Jess brought up a great point that the design of the challenge really mimicked uh, the one that Tara. And I think it was maybe young. were in yes. last Tara season. With- young in episode five where we had the sand running out. Yeah. So was was that purposely like you watched that challenge in season one and said, okay, how can we sort of replicate that for future seasons? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it certainly had you know the sand. It was it was uh, like the sand was pertinent to the to the quarry area, and the water was pertinent to this valley where there's an abundance of water. Um, it just that particular overtime worked really well. In, in the individual and the team challenges, we try to make them more job authentic. Um, but in the overtimes, we take some gamey, um, we're a little, uh, I, I guess we take some liberties with regards to what the challenge is in the overtime. It's a little more gamey, um, only because it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And mm. sometimes it's related to a job, but other times it's literally just let's test them for all of the, the attributes that they're on the show, the show for. So it just felt like a good one. So when they pitched it, it was like, yeah, okay, I, I could see that. And then I love challenges where you can track, oh, somebody outside with a leaf blower. Uh, um, it, I'm sorry if it's coming through. You're good. Through. We don't even But um, I love uh, I love challenges that where you can track, visually track what's going on without us having to necessarily use graphics. So I love that we could see the water. And how close was that? It I mean, was very close. Halfway, yeah. it was exactly the same. At one point, Meryl was ahead. I think at halfway, she was slightly ahead. Then at a third the way, they were dead even. And then it was really just in the last, you know, couple of bucketfuls that Arida got ahead. Um, so I love when you can see that. And next week is one of my favorite shows. Um, and you'll see that there are some organic elements in, in play there as well. So it's good. Phil, uh, we saw when, uh, Meryl was, uh, driving, I love the segment about her road rage, uh, with some of the other, uh, <laughs> cars on the road. Did I notice, uh, were you going for like a, a little bit of like a, uh, like danger zone, uh, riff as, uh, <laughs> in the sound design? <laughs> Wow. Um, (laughs) Let me just say, Rob, that that is incredibly perceptive of you because that was the specific note that we gave to the music (laughs) library people. We said, can you find us? Rob, very good. Yeah. Um, Good You literally said, I swear to God, that's what we we gave them the note. We said, can you find us something that sounds a little bit like Top Gun? Yeah. So that we can, you know, just create that kind of vibe. 10 points. Don't you ring a bell at this point when you... Yeah, he doesn't yeah. ring the bell for himself. Yeah, yeah ring the we bell for yourself. Very that. good. It's Very good. Not that self-serving. Yeah. Well, That's exactly what we That is a great segment. Yeah. Yes. It, was just, it was just fun. You know, I, I had this conversation. We've had this conversation a number of times with the, with, the, uh, with the team. 
um, you know, the vibe of what was going on in 2020, it, it, you, you, I think we're going to look back and we're going to realize just how much of a challenge it was for all of us to, uh, to, to find, um, to put a smile on our face, right? Like to find things to make us laugh. There was a lot that was pulling people down. And so you're living in that shroud of, 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 and that pressure and that everybody's looking at each other and you guy sneezes and you sort of go tense. And then a person walks up to you without a mask on. And we were living with this and we were shooting through all of this. And so those moments are very important in the show because you, you, you need some moments of levity as well. You know, like this, some full on competition, but the, 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 the zeitgeist, what's going on in the world definitely affects what's happening on a show. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has an effect. It can't not. Because people turn up to work with certain feelings and pressures that maybe wouldn't ordinarily exist. So you have to be very cognizant of that when you're making a show and also when you're putting it together that you, that you find some of those moments of levity. Because so we all want to laugh. We need mm-hmm. to laugh. <laughs> yeah. More of that. I, I want to talk about the Irida story, which is just so harrowing and the fact that she is you know not even walking but let alone sprinting in all these competitions just speaks to her strength from an editorial perspective speaking of of you know working things in the booth did you decide to wait to sort of like deploy that story until this happened you know the first time that she really faced overtime did this just happen to like naturally come up in a conversation in the damn van and that's when you decided to, to tell the story why did you decide in this particular moment that you would tell this story that obviously she was very prepared to talk about. Well, another very perceptive question, uh, Michael. So a lot of times on reality shows, I think when there's eliminations, you really have to front load all someone's stories or people's stories to the front of the season, because you know, you're going to lose people. And then if you highlight people who you know are going to go, then you're signaling to the audience that those people are going to go. So then you kind of try to, do a massive story dump on every single character. You know, they were born here. They went to school here. They were married three times. They got 10, 10 kids. Then they had this accident. Then they came back from the thing and recovery and blah, 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 blah. And you jam pack all of this story at the front end of the season because God forbid you give away who might get eliminated in episode two. And now you've lost them. And so you can't develop this story further. And then once you've dumped everything there, I guess then the the goal is to sort of open up some of those stories down the season. But again, you have to be super careful that you don't start to get too heavy on one character because now you're kind of signaling that maybe they're going to go. So on, on Tough as Nails, we don't have that same pressure. So you're going to see a storyline with a, with another character uh, in episode, uh, which in the next episode, episode eight, about someone on the show and it's something that we haven't discussed about them. And it's a pretty significant part of their character, but we didn't have to dump all of that early on in the season. We were able to parcel out all of these little character nuggets throughout the season. Um, And I think that's one of the luxuries that having people stick around buys you is that you, you don't have to try to get everything out of the way up front. You can actually find the right time to well it's subjective isn't it but we felt that that, that episode last night she really you know Ryder really did shine mm-hmm. it was fantastic mm-hmm. in the team challenge 
She's amazing with detail. We've seen that time and time again. She's been an underdog. She's doubted herself. And I, I, you know, we all felt like this was a turning point for her. Her confidence is growing. She goes up against someone as tough as, as Meryl and she, she manages to shine. So that was where we felt like this story about what she's overcome in her life and where that strength comes from would be the best place to put it. So that's why it's there. She figured out that they needed the mulch also. Yeah. This was uh, yeah. such uh, a star episode for Rida. I, I, I'd love her. Yeah. Such a star that other people are putting oranges in her box. <laughs> oh, God. Wasn't that, wasn't that interesting? Yeah. So that brings up an interesting question. I mean, say Swifty had been unintentionally working in Arida's box. If he like fills up her box to 25 pounds, does that count in her box? Even yep. though it wasn't her that technically did it? Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, the oranges that he put into her box counted for her oranges. Because you can't figure out which oranges weren't the ones in there. Exactly. And it's not her fault that he started putting oranges in her box. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, just like uh, there could be a sudden gust of wind that blew three oranges through the air and fell <laughs> down into Ryder's box. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to count those too. Yeah. A hell of a wind gust. Oranges are not left. A hell of a wind gust. <laughs> Phil, I'm worried about Swifty. Miracles do happen. That I feel like that um, you know he was uh, I mean, he ended up doing well in the individual uh, competition despite his struggles. But he uh, like he seems like that he was like uh, really you know uh, on tilt a little bit in that team challenge this week. Well, like he said, the the name of the show is definitely representative of how hard this is. Look, it, we've had this on Amazing Race before. People underestimate what sleep deprivation and what being tired does to you physically and mentally. And this is taking a toll on all of them. They have worked extremely hard for every single day without a break. And there's a lot of physical mental pressure every single day. And I think he just, he kind of had a little bit of a, a a bit of a breakdown in terms Mm -hmm. of, of, of being able to get the job done. So and he owned it. You know, he, he said it. He said, I just, you know, I was, I'm tired. Somebody else take the rake, I think is what he said at one point. And he was tired and he just admitted it. He owned it. thing about yeah. Swifty is you, there's no filter with Swifty, right? He just says it like it is. And, mm-hmm. and he's, he's always the first to step up and take responsibility for when he's not done a good job or if he's been the crew boss and somebody else on his team hasn't done a good job, he doesn't blame it on them. He takes responsibility like, well, no, no, that's on me. He did that in hay bale challenge. So that's what I love about Swifty is that there's no uh, airs about him. It's just, he just says it like it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find that really interesting as well, because I'm imagining that, you know, it's not in the rules that you have to have. Everyone has to be crew boss before cycling back. And so you get some really interesting team choices, including you mentioned it. Swifty in the past four episodes has been crew boss three times. Yeah. And I find that's a really interesting development especially since for this season maybe more so than last season i feel like it's become more of a focus of who's the crew boss because some of the more of these tasks are more delineated out of splitting up your workforce that the crew boss oftentimes really matters a lot and i find it so incredibly interesting that between savage crew and swifty himself 
that he has found he has stepped up more times than not in these case on these team challenges to say, all right, I'm going to take the lead on this one. And how I do wonder maybe after this time, is he going to be informed by this to say, okay, maybe I'll take a step back and let someone else take over for a couple of tasks. Yeah. I mean, maybe. And, um, I think, um, I think depending on what kind of group, you know, what group of people you put together, it, it, it'll dictate the, um, you know, whether the crew boss choice is as big a thing as, um, you know, as, as it has been this season compared to say last season where you're right, there was, it was a different approach. I felt last season, um, Maybe they didn't place as much importance, maybe because it was season one. And maybe now that they've had a chance to see season one, they've realized the importance of good leadership. And Knuckles was fantastic in that landscaping challenge. I mean, she knew mm-hmm. what to do. She she was very clear with her directions. And then she was also willing to kind of like accept that that Arida was really good at getting the detail stuff done. So. Well, I mean, that's good leadership is finding Great what your people are good at and putting yeah. them on those things. Yeah. And accepting when somebody is better than you at doing your job. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, a, you know, having a confidence in your own ability to know that's why I've got this person here is because they're meant to be better. And I often say that to people on the team, I'll say, you're meant to be better at this than me. So tell me like what? <laughs> Like really, like that's why you're here. You're meant to, yeah. you're meant to be better. So be better than me. And tell me what we're going to do with this. Yeah, um, and it was great that they had a built-in like perfect angel task where that you know doing the the <laughs> wheelbarrow like uh, just oh, like yep. you know give him the thing that uh, feed him the thing that like uh, you could just like run back and forth. That was in his wheelhouse, so uh, that really played to his strength to be able to do that. Uh, there was another funny moment with Angel when in the individual competition when I don't know why for whatever reason he was just like yelling out to Zeus uh, like Zeus where are you are you and it was a very funny cutaway to like the super wide overhead shot of Mm -hmm. and maybe a little license on the reverb of yeah just a yes um, well, we, t- we had some fun with that. Yeah. I mean, literally, he literally disappeared in the branches. And I think Angel was genuinely worried about him. Like, you know, where have you gone, Zeus? Where are you? So <laughs> it was a fun, fun moment. Yeah. Orange Zeus, we're going to call him now. That's the new nickname, Orange Zeus. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. It took me a few seconds. But like, I yeah. get it now. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, a big episode for Zeus, too. Again, like he came out of those trees and he ends up <laughs> propelling himself <laughs> forward. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, it, it was, it's been interesting to see Zeus become so much more of a force uh, moving forward mm-hmm. and just prove how, like, he is someone who's, who's doing pretty well in these individual competitions. I also could imagine that the ladder certainly helped things, too, right? This is like, yeah. oh, I know heights. I'm fine climbing a ladder here and probably did not have as much of a difficult time adjusting as someone like Swifty or Rida. Right. And he's, he's, his, his balance is off the hook. I mean, anybody who's doing what he does all day, every day, he's used to, as he said, distributing his weight on a ladder and that sort of thing. So, um, guys, is there anything else? I am going to go to work because I'm doing, I'm going to go to <laughs> color on the next show. Okay. Ooh. So, that, so that it looks nice and colorful for you guys next week. If I might suggest a color, how about nail gray? Mm-hmm. Nail gray. <laughs> I know a guy who's very particular <laughs> and and very wealthy. 
And um, he's expecting a good job with some nail gray paint. Mm-hmm. And he's 100 uh, percent a real guy and not somebody you made up. No, not somebody that I, you know, just sort of dreamt up. No, he's a he's a guy. And he um, what he does is he contacts reality shows and he says, will you get your reality contestants to come to my <laughs> places and do work for me for nothing? And we oblige because yeah. he's very particular. Yeah. I'm so facetious. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, we got to tell people that, yes. Phil. Sometimes they don't get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have to try to work with humor sometimes, don't you? Um, all right. Phil, well, you did a great job. Guys. You didn't go off the rails. Let everybody can relax. Nothing bad yeah, happened. I think, what it is, I think what it is is that they hear us talking and then we start to delve down this you know, down this orange grove and we go down there and we start picking fruit and then they get really nervous that somehow we're going to just suddenly deviate off into some crazy place (laughs) and there's going to be a gust of wind and oranges are going to fly through the sky and crazy things are going to happen. Yeah. There's a sense of, there's a sense that at any moment, anything could happen that I would get up and leave you at the table, pay the check. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is what I'm going to do right now. Um, <laughs> I will leave you, you three handsome-looking people, um, uh, and uh, yes, very handsome and beautiful. Uh, and um, I'm going to leave you now and stop uh, talking and leave you to talk amongst yourselves because yes. this is the part that all my production team <laughs> love to listen to. You guys talking, not me. Okay. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Phil. So say profound things when I leave. Okay, <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> Your right. Thanks, Phil. All right, All right. Phil. watch out for those oranges, Jess. They, you never know, gust of wind. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch mm-hmm. out. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, the great uh, Phil Kogan. Okay, so many answers. Yeah, look at you, Mike. That. Well, listen, I, I I think the jury's still out on the freight train thing. I do apologize for, for coming fiery right no. out of the gate with all my, my Mike, accusations. You but. were, look, you were right. Jess and I were wrong. So I just want to say that that uh, we're, we're dedicating this podcast to you. <laughs> all of the ad proceeds of this podcast that, uh, that uh, Mike, that, that's for you. Uh, I'm going to you know give what? you a lot of money to hold. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like, okay, I get in to the hold symbolic on to the ad way. Revenue. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so, all I mean, for it's, you, it's Mike. Good ha- it's good to have that answer, though. I think I was surprised that it does seem like it seems like the teams. It seemed like while the angel decision was something that they couldn't really do on camera, it seems like the freight train thing was entirely there doing. Mm-hmm. So, again, that brings up the question. I still think the jury's out as to whether or not he's coming back. Oh, I think if they could tip just- Phil. And they could tip Phil maybe by the end of this. It'll sort of be the equivalent of like when everyone gave Jeff a hug and winners at war Mm -hmm. after he brought their families out. Maybe they'll do that at the very end and be like, well, Phil, we're going to give you a little slice off of everything. So, I mean, Phil, the trickster that he is, still left it up in the air. He said, watch this space, right? Quite literally as to whether or not Freight Train's going to come back. Yeah. Okay. That'll be wild if like uh, he shows up for like the final team challenge or whatever uh, they end up doing. Uh, I mean, we're getting there because... In yeah. Tough as Nails season one, I believe it would be that what in episode nine was the final team challenge, and then episode ten was all about the final individual challenge. Well, that was seven, so that means yeah, uh, and it's four to three, right? Are we going to potentially have um, you know, this is like the one to tie it up, and then potentially like for all the marbles in episode nine? 
yeah, that'd be a, a perfect thing. But I will say again, I said it was wild earlier if this was indeed the case. But I think it just proves again, maybe I'm used to the more greed incentivized uh, reality shows that sometimes I need to remind myself that Tough as Nails is not that. And then in that case, I now that it has been brought to light, I will give major kudos to all the members of Dirty Hands for making the decision to give money to Freight Train in abstention because his presence was certainly felt whether or not he's he's out of the game proper. I really do appreciate that gesture, uh, you know, as unorthodox as it may be. It was unorthodox in a good way. Yeah. OK. Um, anything else about Tough as Nails Episode 7, Jess? I, I've got nothing else. I thought it was yeah. it was excellent TV. I enjoyed the oranges. Um, had a lot of questions. We got them all answered. Enjoyed the debate about the yes. money. How many jobs has Knuckles had? I feel like that every week is like, well, I did this for uh, three years. Yeah. So she said what she did. She had done landscaping yeah. for a portion of time. And then she also was on a farm for three years mm-hmm. when she did harvesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know when we did the bartending uh, task that I think she she also she worked in a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, just her current occupation. Right. But wasn't her story, though, that like she went to school, then realized that she didn't want to do what she had a degree. And so I think it makes sense that in those like tumultuous years of your early 20s, you just try on a bunch of hats Mm -hmm. and then you see what fits. So I could imagine all that took place in like a decade of Knuckles life. And then she finally found her place in the Masons and then said, "Okay, now now I can settle down. Now I know what I want to do. I mean, we've all had a lot of jobs. It's just that our jobs were boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But maybe that's the key to winning Tough as Nails is that you have like uh, done a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, it's all about it's all about wearing different hats, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like being on The Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, Mike, anything else that you want to add for episode seven of Tough as Nails? Yeah, for some reason, the team challenge looked particularly difficult. I don't know why it was for me. Maybe it's because like landscaping is something that a lot of us immediately see that I think to Scott's point, like it is pretty tough to do it's pretty grueling work especially considering just like how much hauling was happening but also how detail oriented it is placing everything in its perfect position Mm -hmm. so i do feel like this was actually one of the tougher challenges that they've done to not only get everything hauled and cut and put away but also doing it in a way that that will suffice the plan but man i just gotta say how freaking cool meryl is one more time (laughs) yeah she's really she's she's really cool and i i think i don't know it's it's her story is really really awesome with the 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 path that she's been able to blaze so i count the show incredibly lucky to be able to have her on because it really does seem like she is a huge inspiration in her line of work that no offense to the other contestants but it feels like she is like one of the biggest names the show has gotten so far in its two seasons Mm -hmm. yeah everybody loves meryl she's great yeah um also i liked uh when swifty was planting the trees and didn't take them out of the plastic that feels very relatable. That feels like something I would do if I was ever <laughs> yeah. given the task of planting something. Yeah. So that was good. Sure. All right. So uh, there we go. That's episode number seven of uh, Tough as Nails. Only three weeks left of uh, Tough as Nails. Uh, where did the time go? It's been a ride. Mm-hmm. Through an hourglass. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Jess, what do you have coming up? Um. Well, I am going to be doing a guest spot on one of our excellent post-show recaps shows yes. next week. I'm, you're going to find me on Community Building. We're going to be talking about oh. Season 1, Episode 8. It's my all-time favorite Community episode, so I'm super wow. excited to get into that. That's a great and theme then, song, Community. Yes. Yes, it does, but sadly unrecognized by 
many experts in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also every week talking with Chappelle about The Walking Dead. And these episodes, I don't know. I don't know if you necessarily would call them great or entertaining, but we sure have a lot of fun talking about them. So mm. we'd love to have people check that out and just listen to us kind of pick apart the episode, find ways to make it better. Cause that's apparently my brand now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Okay. Uh, Michael, what's coming up for you? Well, first off, I will say that the uh, the team challenge very much gave me shades of season two of The Walking Dead on the farm. So I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that the overtime challenge wasn't like go into the barn and get all the zombies. Uh, so usual fare on post show recaps between Down the Hatch, uh, The Bloom Files. And I actually did something very fun with a couple of podcasts this week. We started our coverage of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yes. which was a low key premiere, but one that I really enjoyed. Low key so did- is a different show. Yeah, exactly. He's coming up in a few months, but it's uh, it's it was me, Kevin Mahadeo and Latanya Starks. I also got together with the great Brendan Fitzpatrick on a long time to go to talk about a Star Wars series that I have very recently got into, but absolutely loved uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, which was a CGI Star Wars series that was on Cartoon Network Mm -hmm. and then Netflix and then Disney Plus. But we got into all of that. And then, of course, over on uh, reality shows proper, Shannon Gus and I finished our coverage of Survivor South Africa season five, almost three hours of talk on the finale. And we have a couple of interviews following up about that as well. And then uh, even sort of like reality adjacent, Rob, we mentioned this last week, but you and I are going to be getting together tomorrow at the time we're recording Mm -hmm. this to do some patron Brant Steel action, which I'm very excited about. Always a crowd pleaser. We'll have, uh, what, 18 18 Rob's Podcast patrons uh, loaded into the Brant Steel. They'll be on a Zoom call and Mike and I are going to talk it through uh, on Friday night in uh, Rob has a podcast uh, patron podcast feed so uh check that out for those of you who are uh, already members and if you're not hey uh look uh april's right around the corner great time to uh, jump in at the start of a new month uh to become a patron of rob as a podcast uh so much going on here on rob as a podcast right now i got done last night i talked about the 29th best season of survivor of all time survivor south pacific oh instead of picking oranges they were picking pork no, it was so it was so gross. It was so gross. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't help when Cochran is talking about like venereal diseases. Yeah, afterwards. yeah. And, and you know what? Overall, that whole situation hit different in 2021 uh, than it might have <laughs> in 2011. So talked about all of that with uh, Beth Dixon and Brian Scally. We had a lot of fun. And then we we're completing last week. We talked about Caramoan. This week we talked about South Pacific. I've got a talking with T Bird with Dawn Meehan coming up. Oh. So uh, I've watched Dawn seasons back to back and very excited to talk to dawn uh and uh see what she uh has been up to i haven't talked to her in i think in eight years i am very intrigued to see if she's still making bread was dawn ahead of the trend when it came to the 2020 quarantine bread baking phase yeah so uh we'll check in with dawn uh and see what she has uh going on plus everything else going on with uh big brother canada talk to reem daily on 90 day fiance with uh puya this week so plenty of great stuff coming up all at robhasawebsite.com. So check it all out. Thank you so much for uh, watching or listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know it's easy bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance, and it's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. 
Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.